Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. And what the hell did we do to the sports gods to deserve the abuse that we are getting in Philadelphia over the last year and a half? Now Joel Embiid with a knee injury? The drama with the Philadelphia Flyers and Carter Hart. What did we do to deserve it? Just when we think maybe, maybe with the Eagles season ending the way it did, well, at least we have the Sixers. At least we have the Flyers, the feel-good story. And now this crap. Not a good day for me today. Not a good day. Had a late game last night with the Sixers thinking, oh, okay, nice. Lay in bed. Watch Joel come back. Having a historic season. And unfortunately, no. No. We can't have anything nice in this damn city anymore. And it had me thinking about The biggest heartbreaks over the years as a Philadelphia sports fan for me. So we're going to get into all of that. I see my Power Hour crew checking in. We're streaming live on the Jacob Sports Network. We are also live on all my social media channels. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, even trying out Twitch today. We're everywhere today. But it's just not a great day as a Philadelphia sports fan. We're going to be joined like we are every Wednesday by Kayla Santiago. Looking forward to Kayla Santiago coming on. Does a great job covering the Eagles, but an even better job with the 76ers. So I want to talk to her about this damn Sixers team and what the hell we can expect. Just not happy, guys. Just not a happy day for me. And the reward we get with all of this and all this drama is we get to watch the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl in a week and a half? Damn, man. But we'll talk about it. I see the Power Hour crew checking in. Let's get a little bit of a roll call. And I had on my list to talk about A.J. Brown, and I see people already asking in the chat. So we'll talk about that as well. But I... See the Power Hour crew checking in. Teresa, good morning. Kyle, Moe, William Stark, Invincible, Flexin' and Steppin', Decoy Gaming, Thaddeus, Big D, Stan Bruce. 
Who else we got? Marcus Craig. See all you guys. North Philly, Kevin Savard. Appreciate all of you guys checking in. I see people on TikTok checking in. Who do we got? We got our Instagram crew checking in. What's up, Ra Stacks on Instagram? P. Will Music, my man. Good to see you. So it's good to see everybody on the Philly Sports Power Hour. But it is not a good day to be a Philadelphia sports fan with everything that's going on. Maybe Kayla will cheer us up. She'll be joining the show around 1020. And I see Christina Bennett checking in and Tony Brand checking in on TikTok. But let's jump in. Before we talk more about Joel Embiid and the Sixers, when I ask the question, what have we done? And I know the outside media, the fans from other cities will say, oh, Philadelphia deserves this. BS, man. This is the best damn sports city in the country, and you can't convince me otherwise. And when you look at the last year and a half that we have had in this city, what the hell did we do to deserve it? The 2022 Philadelphia Phillies lose the World Series to the Houston Astros of all teams. Then you have Super Bowl 57, up 10 going into the half. Patrick Mahomes limping off the field. We lose the Super Bowl on a ridiculous holding penalty on James Bradbury. Don't even get me started on the field. Not making excuses, but come on, man. Super Bowl 57 happens. We have the 76ers last year. Can't get out of the second round again. Now, I'm not a big soccer fan, but we have the Philadelphia Union. Who lose? Well, maybe things would have gotten better for us in 2023. We have our fighting Phils making another run, going back to red October. They're up two games to none in the NLCS against the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks. Get myself all worked up again, man. And then they blow that lead. Bats go cold. Castellanos, non-existent. Ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. So then maybe things will get better with our Philadelphia Eagles team. They come out to a 10-1 and start. Oh, we're going back to the Super Bowl. We all know how that ended. The last seven games of the season. Well, at least we have the Flyers. At least the Flyers are outperforming expectations. At least they're the feel-good story. They've now lost five in a row. Carter Hart has to turn himself in to London, Ontario police. And I'm not going to talk about that, guys. I know other media outlets are talking about it. We'll see how it plays out. It's got to play out in the court system. None of us know what happened. We'd all be guessing. So I'm not making opinions one way or another. Obviously not good for the Flyers, but not good for anyone involved in that situation. So I will not be talking about it. 
But the Flyers lose five in a row. Look like they're coming back down to earth. And now the Sixers. Four losses in a row. Joel Embiid looked terrible last night before the injury. Not only did he look rusty, looked like he couldn't move. And then a warrior falls on his damn knee at the end of that game. What did we do to deserve the heartbreak? You know, and when we talk about Philadelphia fans and other cities talk about Philadelphia fans, I say it all the time. The reason we are the way we are is because we've never had a dynasty in this city. You look at every other major city in professional sports, every single one of them. They've had dynasties. Look at Boston. Yeah, they suffered through all those years with the Red Sox and the curse of the Bambino. They had the Celtics and the Patriots. You look at Chicago. They suffered all those years with the Cubs. They had the damn Bulls and Michael Jordan. You could look at every other major city that had a team who had a long drought and there was a dynasty right next to them in another sport to save the city. We've never had it. It's been heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. We finally cracked through in 2008 with the Phillies and 2017 with the Eagles. But outside of that, if you're around my age, we've had nothing. So I started to think about all of the heartbreaks over my lifetime as a Philadelphia sports fan. I'm not old enough to remember the 1976 Flyers who were going for their third straight. They had one in 74 and 75. Really the closest thing to a dynasty we've ever had. They lose in 76. I'm not old enough to remember the heartbreak for the Flyers in 1987. But for me, my introduction as a Philadelphia sports fan was 1993. And I think all of you guys know what I'm talking about. Joe Carter and Mitch Williams. 1993. And then that heartbreak continued for me. 97. Stanley Cup Finals. They get swept by the Detroit Red Wings. 2000 Eastern Conference Finals. Who remembers that? Scott Stevens taking out Eric Lindros at the blue line in game seven after the Flyers were up three games to one. And if you're here in the chat, feel free to get it all out this morning of your favorite heartbreaks over the years. But for me, I look at it, 93 Joe Carter, 2000 Eastern Conference Finals watching Lindros get lit up. 2002 NFC Championship, last game at the link, was supposed to be poetic. Last game at the link, they finally get that NFC Championship win and go to a Super Bowl. Grande Barber. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself today, talking about all this, but for some reason, after I watched Joel Embiid go down last night, 
just had me thinking of all of these heartbreaks over the years. So you have the 0-2 NFC Championship. Well, now we open up the link in 2023. Last game at Veterans Stadium in 2002, you think, okay, they couldn't get through. Doesn't end with great stories. But then 2003, first year at the link, NFC Championship, Carolina Panthers, Jake Delhomme. This will be an easy win for the Eagles. I was on the damn sidelines for that game. Embarrassing performance. Jake Delhomme completely outplayed Donovan McNabb. There were no answers. And this is why, guys, and we're going to get there. I see the chatter about A.J. Brown and whether or not the Eagles should trade him. Are you guys freaking kidding me? Do you remember that 2003 NFC Championship game? Do you remember how the wide receivers were completely dominated at the line of scrimmage? We want to go back to those days? The Todd Pinkstons and the James Thrash and the Hank Baskets and Nate Browns and Freddie Mitchells of the world? Come on. Trade A.J. Brown. Ridiculous, and we'll talk about it. But you continue to look at these damn heartbreaks. Then we had the 4 Super Bowl. Super Bowl 39. Finally cracked through. We lose Super Bowl 39. Then you go to the 2010, you Flyers fans, Stanley Cup Finals, Game 6, Patrick Kane against Michael Layton. And the reason why that one stung so much, because if you guys are Flyers fans, you know the one year the Flyers had the worst record in the NHL, lose the damn lottery, don't get the first pick in the draft, they get the number two pick in the draft. Chicago goes number one. They get Patrick Kane. We get James Van Riemsdyk. And then a couple years later, Patrick Kane scores the game winner in our damn building in game six. What did we do to deserve this? And now you flash forward to last year's Super Bowl. I don't know if it's recency bias, but for me, Last year's Super Bowl stung the most. And it's starting to sting even more as I sit here today and look back at how close they were, up 10. And now we sit here with a lot of question marks with this Eagles team, man. Oh, boy. Not a great day. I don't know why, but watching Joel Embiid limp off that court brought back all these memories and all these years of heartbreak in this town. But now people, and I've seen it on Twitter and I've heard it on the radio, I've even seen people on this channel, on Jacob Sports, talking about trading A.J. Brown. What are you guys, nuts? Trading A.J. Brown? You guys insane? A.J. Brown's been here for two years. He now sits at number one and number two with the most yards in franchise history in a single season in both of his seasons in Philadelphia. In 2022, he put up 1,496 yards, the best season in franchise history. Last year, 1,456 yards, second best season in franchise history. And you guys want to trade him? 
We really want to go back to the days of the Todd Pinkstons and the Hank Baskets, Nay Brown, James Thrash. There's a long list of other ones. If anything, for me, I want to see them upgrade the wide receiver room. I need a third wide receiver on this team. I'm not getting rid of one of these playmakers, and I get it. They have to pay Devontae Smith. I understand that. But we need to have depth at that wide receiver position. It's great to have that one-two punch with Devontae and A.J., I don't understand people saying they want to trade A.J. Brown. And I get it. We need a lot of pieces on this team. We need pieces on defense. There's only so much money that could go around. I understand that. But you figure out a way to keep your superstar players. And I know a lot of people in the chat, I see it calling him a diva. We are assuming a lot. We are assuming that A.J. Brown is a quote-unquote problem in the locker room. Well, if you looked at that Joe Santaliquito article, and when I hosted Sports Take with Rob Ellis, we had Joe on the show. In that article, he talks about how Jalen Hurts defers a lot to A.J. Brown when it comes to vocal leadership. We're assuming that A.J. Brown is a problem in that locker room. I think A.J. Brown is very well-liked. Everything I hear is that A.J. is very well-liked, that he is a very good leader. You know I had my issues with him refusing to talk to the media. I didn't like that. But we are making a lot of assumptions, and to try to say that we want to get rid of a guy as good as A.J. Brown, you explain to me how that helps this damn team. I think it's a ridiculous, ridiculous proposition to say to trade A.J. Brown. Knee-jerk reaction to this season. But when we get back, guys, we're going to be joined by Kayla Santiago. I want to talk to her about this Eagles team, obviously. But also want to talk to her about the 76ers. I'm sure she's heartbroken today. We know how much she loves Joel Embiid and loves this Sixers team. So we're going to bring Kayla on, but not a great day for us in Philadelphia. But stop with the trade A.J. Brown nonsense. Ridiculous, in my opinion. But hit that like button, guys. Hit that share button. Make sure you are subscribed or following me on all your social media platforms. We'll be right back with Kayla Santiago. Stay tuned.
any professional sports coach will tell you, there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower, on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. What's up, everybody, and welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. Spent the first segment just reliving some heartbreaks because for whatever reason, watching Joel Embiid limp off the court last night just had me back. Reliving all these heartbreaks over the years as a Philly sports fan. But I want to bring on Kayla Santiago to join the show like she does every Wednesday. What's going on, Kayla? It's good to see you. Uh, good to see you, too. I have to agree with you on that one. I had to, you know, stay up until 1.30 in the morning because they're on West Coast time to just watch the player that shouldn't have played in the beginning of the game get his knee sat on. So um, I can't say that I'm great at the moment. I've still been scrolling consistently. They said he had an MRI right now and seeing that if he's going to be okay, if he's not. Doesn't look too shabby right now for the Philadelphia 76ers. I think he's at least going to be out for an extended period of time. Great news. Kayla, you know, I, I was before you joined the show, for whatever reason, as soon as I saw that happen last night, I'm laying in bed, same as you, probably watching the game, thinking, okay, we could relax. It's a late game. Joel's back. And as soon as I seen him limp off the court, Saw him, not seen him, saw him limp off the court. All these heartbreaks over the years start coming back. And I'm going all the way back to 1993. I'm reliving the Joe Carter home run against Mitch Williams. I'm reliving last year's Super Bowl. I'm reliving the 2000 Eastern Conference Finals. I'm reliving all of it. Rondé Barber pick six down this field at the Veterans Stadium in the last game of the year. 
When do we find out about Joel? Because I was hopeful that even with the Eagles being hurt, or being hurt, being out of this, that, hey, at least we have the Sixers to look forward to. At least we have the Flyers to look forward to. What are you hearing on Joel? When's the MRI? So apparently they reported that they were going to do an MRI right after the game, but I don't really know how that's going to work because at this point, I think that they would have reported something, at least if the results were negative to this standpoint. You know, they're probably testing and looking for any type of tear right there in his knee. I'm no doctor, so, you know, I don't really know how the whole process goes. But I do know that at that point, they're probably going to look to see if he has a tear or not. I really think that's going to just be like a bad hyperextension of the knee. And that's the best case scenario. He'll be out for at least maybe a few weeks, but it's better than any type of tear. At this point, it's just frustration settling in. And I think that you need to essentially place Joel Embiid on load management. Clearly, he doesn't care about postseason awards. I mean, he only has five more games to be able to play to able to get those awards. And right now he has the numbers too, but at the end of the day, he's going to miss at least five more games throughout the regular season. To me, those awards don't matter. I think right now you almost need to treat him as Kawhi when he was with the Raptors and how he is throughout his career right now. You want this guy healthy for the playoffs, and the only way to do it is to make sure that he's healthy. I think the only reason that they played him last night because the NBA was investigating what happened with the Denver Nuggets. So they're like, okay, well, now maybe we'll push and play him. Dumb move on their part. Yeah, because even before the knee injury towards the end of the game, he just didn't look right all night and not necessarily just rusty. It looked like he was laboring on that knee all night. Is that what you saw too? Yeah, absolutely. And I knew that he wasn't fully healthy. I mean, you consistently see him on the injury reports with the left knee. And, oh, it's okay if Tyrese Maxey has a left ankle injury and a bad ankle sprain, but if Joel Embiid's hurt, he's ducking players and he's just scared to play in Denver. And then you go out and see him yesterday and you say, okay, well, this is exactly why he doesn't play because he's actually injured. And I'm sure the competitor in Joel Embiid is saying, no, I'm fine. I really want to play. But at the end of the day, the medical staff has that final decision. And to me, it kind of looks like written all over it that they just did not want to have to deal with the investigation of possibly not having him on the injury report against Denver and then pulling him 15 minutes before tip-off. I think, honestly, full circle, that's what it comes down to. And looking at it right now, I mean, he's just not healthy. You've got to sit him for a little bit of time. I don't care how long it is during the regular season because this guy needs to be healthy for the playoffs. He hasn't been in his entire career. No, he hasn't. And that's been a part of the issue why the Sixers can't get out of the second round. But all right, let's assume we get positive news here. Let's assume Joel's not out for an extended period of time. He misses a few games, misses out on the MVP, which... He probably doesn't care about. We certainly don't care about anymore the MVP. We need a playoff run here. Now that we've seen this Sixers team, we've seen them without Joel. We've seen them without Tyrese Maxey. They've lost four straight. Now, you and I have talked before. I know you like the depth of this team. But as this team is currently constructed, again, assuming Joel is healthy, does Daryl Morey have to make a move to bring some more pieces in here to make a playoff? I think that he will, but I don't think it needs to be a big move. We talked in the beginning of the season, though, Zach Levine was the guy that we wanted on the top of the radar. To me, he's even too big. I'm looking for more of a guy, honestly, like Mikael Bridges, who can really stretch out the floor, can play perimeter defense, can also knock down threes. I think that's going to be huge, especially for this team going down the stretch, especially if they're in the playoffs against the Bucs or the Celtics or really any team in the Eastern Conference. You do, I think, need a small piece. But then again, what are you getting in return? I'm tired of seeing the Kyle Lowry stuff. I do not want Kyle Lowry in Philadelphia. I get it's his hometown, and I loved him playing at Villanova. But at the same time, 
Pat Bev is on a tear right now off the bench. You do not want to change that. You do not want to bring Kyle Lowry in here, who's a little bit older, who's had a few injuries as well. There's a reason the Heat kind of dished him off. So I, I think that you need to get a small piece, but I don't necessarily think it needs to be trading a lot of your depth. I honestly, there's been a lot of people frustrated that if Daryl Morey doesn't, you know, make a trade of the trade deadline, it's going to be a colossal failure. This is Joel Embiid's year to win it all. I don't necessarily agree with that because I think that you're going to bring in a piece that is just like your other bench pieces. You know what I'm saying? So you look at it right now and you say, okay, maybe you can bring in a better shooter. Maybe you can bring in a better defender. But at the end of the day, you're bringing in a bench piece. So if a team is asking for too much for another piece and you have to give up your depth, I would rather keep the team the Sixers have right now. Now you mentioned Mikal Bridges. You don't think he's available, is he? I don't think that the Nets are willing to trade him. They just had Ben Simmons come back. He had a pretty good opening game for himself in 18 minutes. You know, Ben Simmons kind of broke every Philadelphia Sixers stand hard. But I'm glad to see that he's back with the Nets and actually able to play. He could be possibly available. I just don't think that the Nets are looking to ship him off. They've really constructed a team that's young, that has a lot of talent. And now I think Ben Simmons is kind of their centerpiece, as crazy as it is to say. So they're not going to be looking to ship him off. I think Mikael Bridges is at least two players in a pick. And I'm not saying two key players. I'm saying two bench players in a pick just because of the value that he has and what he can add. You maybe look at a guy like Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Hart, and the one thing about the Sixers that frustrates me so much is that they passed up on so many good Villanova guys as well. I mean, you look at the Villanova guys in the league right now, Brunson's on absolute tear with the New York Knicks. But besides the point, there's other guys that you can get. I think Mikael Bridges' asking price is going to be a little bit too much just because the Nets, they're kind of in rebuild mode at this point, and I think they do like him as a big piece of their team. Yeah, it's crazy, too. I just pull up Ben Simmons' contract. He's making $38 million this year. Outrageous. Outrageous what these guys are making, especially Ben Simmons, who hasn't done a damn thing for Brooklyn. I'm not happy to see him back. I, I'm not. I'm still not a fan of Ben Simmons. I know he won some people over when he had some nice comments to make about Philadelphia and all. To me, no. I have yeah. no love for Ben. <laughs> Yeah, I was at a, you know, that game when he passed up the wide open dunk. I spent, you know, a buck ton on tickets to watch the elimination game. So, you know, I've uh, I've had my grievances and my comments towards him as well because I had to see that in person. And I don't think my heart is still healed from that, but it's totally okay. Still ridiculous. I'm talking about Philly heartbreaks to start the day because I got reminded of all of them. That's another one. And you look back at that draft. Or not that that draft, I guess Ben Simmons was the surefire pick. But then you look at the other draft where we trade up to take Markel Fultz and the Celtics and Danny Ainge just sitting there laughing, knowing that Tatum was the pick. I'm I'm not in a good mood today, Kayla. I, I am struggling <laughs> today for sure. Well, let's let me ask you, let's stick with the Sixers for a second. We'll see who potentially becomes available. But you look at this Sixers team outside of Joel and Maxi. Are there any players that are completely untouchable for you that you don't want to see Daryl Morey include in a move for a better piece? I mean, I think there's definitely pieces that I don't want to see move just because I think as a team's constructed, they fit in really well with the Sixers. But I don't think anybody else is untouchable now. I mean, you look at it, and I like Tobias, and he had a decent game last night, but he's just so inconsistent, and it happens each and every game. Tobias, he plays hard, and I truly think that he likes playing in Philadelphia, and I can appreciate that. As an outsider looking in, what I can appreciate is that some games he can have 15 to 20 points and other games he can have 
two points on four shot attempts. So the inconsistency there is something that you say, okay, I think if Tobias wants to go and he needs to go and Daryl Morey sees a piece that would be a good fit for the Philadelphia 76ers, I think you can ship him off as well. So nobody to me is untouchable besides those two. So we'll see what happens. Well, let's jump over to our Philadelphia Eagles because I see some people in the chat saying, let's get positive. And I think he's being sarcastic saying <laughs> talk about the Eagles. But I felt pretty good. I feel really good today compared to how I felt when the season ended because I think the Philadelphia Eagles made two really good hires at coordinator. I really like the idea of bringing in Vic Fangio, you're going to run the Fangio scheme anyway. Why not bring in the guy who literally created the scheme? He's a veteran. He's going to get respect instantly walking through the door. And then you look at the recent move of Kellen Moore as your offensive coordinator, and there's a lot to like about that. Play caller in this league for five years. Play caller for a top offense in the league when he was in Dallas. How does Kayla Santiago feel today looking at these two coordinator hires? Yeah, I'm interested to see with the OC how they kind of run the ball. I mean, statistically kind of looking at him and, you know, looking at all the offensive coordinators that were available. When you look at him a little bit, he definitely opts to pass more than Braun. But I don't think it's going to be a situation with Brian Johnson where there's an empty backfield and you're setting Jalen Hurts to kind of drop back and pass. I think you might see a little bit more of RPO, a little bit more of that run pass game. And hopefully you do, because I think Jalen Hurts, He's shown that he can pass, but he's not necessarily step back and air the ball out there. He has so many other things that he can do. He can run the ball. He can fake the handoff. And that's something that we just didn't see, and it clearly was the play calling a season ago. Now, on the other side, I absolutely love the hiring of Vic Fangio. And it's crazy because right after we had this podcast last week, they said that, oh, well, now the Eagles are looking into him, that he's an option. And I was like, okay, absolutely, you got to go get him. I was like, I wish this could have been a few hours later because that would have said my option right there. But I absolutely love the hiring. I think he's the perfect fit to come in here. You know, you look at the defense right now and how it's constructed. You have a very young secondary linebackers. Who knows what they're going to do this year once again. That defensive line, it's talented. But last year you saw them have a really good first half of the season. And all of a sudden they kind of went down in the dumps with the rest of the team on the defensive side of the ball. So I think he's just going to really revamp this defense. And I said before, if Nick Sirianni can get good coordinators, I don't mind keeping him. And at this point, I think that's what they're going to do. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, I really think as frustrated as we all were with how the season ended, I really think this was probably the best course of action. I was okay with Sirianni staying. I liked the idea of Sirianni staying. I thought once my emotions calmed down and you look back at the history of things, he deserved to come back for another year, but I wanted to see them bring in good coordinators. Now, I wanted veterans at both coordinators. I wanted a more veteran coordinator on offense only because my fear is we have success this season. The offense bounces back. Jalen Hurts gets back to that MVP caliber. You're not going to see Kellen Moore in Philadelphia in 2025 because he's going to get a head coaching job. To me, that's really the only negative when you look at Kellen Moore. I think there's some misconception out there that he doesn't like to run the football. Yeah, he didn't run the ball a lot with the Chargers because their offensive line stunk. They were a banged-up team. They were a dumpster fire. But you go back to the two years before that in Dallas, they had a top-10 rushing offense every single year. So what do you think, though, because I've been starting to come around saying, all right, even if Kellen Moore leaves in 2025, 
maybe we should just be okay with that because that would mean we had a really good offensive season in 2024. You okay with that? Are you all right? Just saying, hey, you know what? I don't care if he leaves. Let's focus on 24. Yeah, I mean, looking at the grand scheme of things, it stinks because this is what happens. Anytime that a team goes to the Super Bowl or they make a deep run, even Brian Johnson somehow after this year was getting looks by other NFL teams for a head coaching position, which is absolutely beyond me. I mean, like I said, I don't want anybody to lose their jobs, but the fact that he had the performance that he did with the offense that the Eagles had and coaches and organizations are saying, oh, yeah, he's our next guy is crazy to me. So absolutely, yes, I do think – that Kellen Moore, if the Eagles have a good year, that he could kind of get in a head coaching position. But you look at the grand scheme of things, and if that happens, that means that the Eagles probably went far and the offenses are advanced. And it also shows it also shows that last year it wasn't Nick Sirianni's fault. It was the play calling because, you know, there's so much conspiracy right now as Nick Sirianni, did he take over for Brian Johnson? Was Nick Sirianni really calling the plays? How much say did Brian Johnson have? Now, I think this year, if you see the offense do really well, I think you say, okay, well, clearly it was the fault of Brian Johnson. And not saying Nick Sirianni is to blame, but saying that those two just didn't mesh. Those two just really didn't work in terms of coaching next to each other on the offensive side of the ball. I think it would be a better sign than not. And, yeah, it would stink to lose him if the Eagles do go far. But at the end of the day, you need to show that Jalen Hurts is still the quarterback that you want him to be. The play calling last year was not because of Nick Sirianni. It was actually because of the offensive coordinator. And the only way to do that is that Kellen Moore has an outstanding year. Yeah, I think I'd be okay with it. I think I'd be okay with it. Now, I've had some fans say, well, that's not going to happen because before the Eagles let Kellen Moore out the door, they would fire Nick Sirianni and name Kellen Moore the head coach. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that if the offense has success, then – the entire team will probably have success. And I don't think you're moving on from Nick Sirianni at that point. But now there's some chatter. Before you came on the show in the first segment, I addressed some of the chatter in this city right now that the Eagles should trade A.J. Brown, which I think is a ridiculous, ridiculous proposition. But what are your thoughts on that? Would you considering trading A.J. Brown in light of, and let me give you the full details, Because one of the arguments is he makes a lot of money. So he's in the third year of his deal. He has a cap hit of $12.4 million in 2024. That's up from $8.5 this season. So knowing that he's a $12.4 million cap hit, would you move him if that meant getting some other pieces in here? I love Devontae Smith, and I do think that he's wide receiver 1A to A.J. Brown, right? But how long has it been since the Eagles consistently had good wide receivers? You look at the 2017 Super Bowl year. Technically, they played it in 2018, of course, but the 27th season. Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar were kind of that one-two punch. Those are the two names that I bring you right now. So technically, it's been a really long time since the Philadelphia Eagles have had really, really good receivers. And I know Alshon and Aguilar, they had fantastic years and You know, Aguilar was doing well with the Ravens this past season as well. But you look at those names, and the next year, Alshon Jeffrey's a year older. He can't really play. Nelson Aguilar, I don't want to say he was a one-year wonder with the Philadelphia Eagles, but he kind of was from that standpoint. Yeah, he kind of was. That's a good point. Yeah, the following season, it just didn't happen. A.J. Brown is not that, and neither is Devontae Smith. So to me, if you want a Super Bowl team, the offense does matter, and those guys do matter. And I get you have Dallas Goddard and you have Devontae Smith. 
But who do you have behind them? Who do you have behind them that you can trust? Because Quez Watkins, he's not the guy. Those other receivers, they're not the guy. And you can try to go get somebody else. But at the end of the day, you're constantly going to be looking at replacing A.J. Brown. And listen to this. And I said this year after year after year. This team, for the longest time, ever since they let Djax go, they have been looking for a guy like Deshaun Jackson. They have been looking for a receiver like Deshaun Jackson. A.J. Brown doesn't play the same way as Deshaun, but he certainly has the same impact when you look at the number one receiver on a team. I get he lost a lot of money. The divaness everybody's talking about in the locker room, I think that's going to pass after getting new coordinators and actually having an offense that can win some ball games. You absolutely keep A.J. Brown, and anybody that's saying that, I'm sorry, that's just not the answer. You look at A.J. Brown, you look at Jalen Hurts, and I think, honestly, I understand he was a diva and he didn't want to talk to the media. He gave the media a 13-minute interview after the season, right? You look at that and you say he was holding players accountable as well on the sidelines. You never heard Jalen Hurts come out and say, well, A.J. Brown's annoying me or A.J. Brown this or A.J. Brown that. I honestly think Jalen likes his receivers coming up to him and kind of talking about their frustrations and being open about it. So, to me, you absolutely keep A.J. Brown. And not only that, he makes Devontae Smith better. And when it is time to move on from A.J., which is not this year, Devontae Smith is just going to be sky high, receiver one, no doubt. I agree with you 1,000% that I don't understand why anyone would want to get rid of A.J. Brown. This is by far the best wide receiver duo we've ever had. And I see some people in the chat going back to Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin a very good duo, very good. Yeah. But this is by <laughs> far the best that we have ever had. And you look at A.J. Brown, first year with the team in 2022, sets the franchise record for the most yards in a season. Last year, beats everybody else, comes in second only to himself with regard to the most yards in franchise history. And for me, I don't think we should be talking about getting rid of one of our receivers. We need a third wide receiver option, not saying spend a lot of money, not saying they need to be to the caliber of Devontae and AJ, but we need that third option out of the slot that can help make this offense. So I don't understand why anyone would look at this team and say, yeah, you know what? Get rid of AJ Brown, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and we'll be just fine. And I see people in the chat saying, well, has Kayla ever heard of the draft? <laughs> well, have you ever heard of Howie Roseman's history in drafting wide receivers? He finally got it right with Devontae Smith. But do we need to relive the Jalen Ragers and the J.J. Oh Ortega Whitesides and the Freddie Mitchells of the world? Do we really want to rely on Howie Roseman drafting a wide receiver? Kayla, talk yeah. some sense into these people, please. Yeah, listen, I understand it. And even if you get a good wide receiver in the draft, Devontae Smith still needed a year to develop. You're talking about Devontae Smith being wide receiver one, having a rookie as your wide receiver two, and then hoping that you can get a wide receiver three somehow throughout the offseason, whether it's via trade, via free agency, whatever it may be. A.J. Brown, I'm not saying he's the answer, but he's the target that you want on this team because guess what? It's the perfect mix of A.J. Brown. I almost say this. I feel like he's almost that flex position, which he's really not, but he's in between a wide receiver and a tight end just based on his build. He's able to really push guys for the extra yardage. He's able to be out physicality anybody 
on any other team. Devontae Smith is the guy that you're going to throw the long ball to because he's quick, he's fast. You kind of think of DJX in the mold of Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith, though, to me, at this point right now, he can stay a little bit healthier, and he's really a good weapon for Jalen Hurts. You're not going to find that duo anywhere else, and you're definitely not going to find that duo in the draft. You're talking about an offense, minus Jason Kelsey, if he doesn't come back, that really is bringing back a lot of their good pieces, and that starts with Jalen Hurts. And guys, listen, I understand, but look back to Carson Wentz. I'm not saying Carson Wentz was a fantastic quarterback whatsoever, but how frustrated was everybody when Carson would throw a perfect ball and receivers would just drop it? They would just drop it, and it was so frustrating. And then they go to the draft and they get Jalen, everybody's like, well, why didn't you get help for Carson? Well, now we know why. But at the same time, you can't risk that this season. You just completely revamped your coordinators and to me, the only way they move on from A.J. Brown is if they get coordinators that are not experienced. Clearly, this team is in still a win-now mode, right? They're not in necessarily a rebuild mode because if they were, you're going to get two coordinators that maybe were quarterbacks coach or you're going to get coordinators that were defensive linemen coach, not necessarily the experienced ones you have right now. So I get it. And maybe you can draft a wide receiver. Maybe you can get that third receiver. But you're not replacing A.J. Brown in the draft this year. You're just absolutely not. Yeah, and I see Joe Eagle saying, Bill, you purposely left out free agency. Well, if the goal is to trade A.J. Brown to save money, why do you think you're going to be able to sign a free agent wide receiver that's even close to A.J. Brown's skill set, now two years removed from the contract you gave A.J. and think you're going to save a lot of money? If you got to pay a free agent wide receiver that's close to A.J. Brown's skill set, you're probably going to pay him more than you're paying A.J. Brown because that's just the reality of the NFL, man. The price of players goes up every single season. So if your goal is to save money by trading A.J., you're not then signing a wide receiver in free agency. So I, I just don't get that rationale. But all right, let's jump over to the defense real quick because there are a lot of needs on the defensive side of yeah. the football. I'm hopeful with Vic Fangio coming in here, that he's able to get in Howie Roseman's ear and say, hey, we need better players. You right. can't ignore the linebacker position anymore. You can't ignore the safety position anymore. If you had one wish for the defense, what do you want to see them add to that defense? It's so tough because there's so many things that they need to add. You know, I want a good secondary piece. I want a good safety. And I've had so many conversations with people saying, well, the safety position doesn't really matter. Look at when the Eagles had Malcolm Jenkins and had some scrubs at cornerbacks. Malcolm was the centerpiece and able to really put that together. CJ Gardner-Johnson, not having him in the Eagles uniform this year, and everybody said, well, you know what? James Bradbury and Darius Slay will be good enough. Come on now. We saw what happened. James Bradbury literally couldn't tackle in a big game all throughout the season this year. So – I don't want to ignore the linebacker position, though, because I feel like consistently the Eagles do ignore that. But I feel like I have to go secondary. I mean, those guys are just so young. And you look at it right now. Darius Slay doesn't look like he has too much left in him. The guy can't stay healthy. James Bradbury clearly doesn't know how to tackle. I hope that Vic Fangio can get in his ear and say, you're going to be benched the entire season if you don't know how to tackle or at least put some effort out there. You know, I do like Sidney Brown, but what, he just tore his ACL as well. So yeah. who knows the recovery process on that? I think he's a good young talent. I think you might see, and I know this sounds crazy. 
I think you might see the linebacker class isn't the best in this draft coming up, but I definitely think there is a little bit of talent there. Maybe you draft a linebacker and bring in an experienced guy in your secondary. Now we're talking about Howie Roseman. So I really doubt that that's going to happen, but it's between linebacker and secondary for me. If I had to choose and I hate once again, ignoring that linebacker position, but the secondary, it just got cooked this year. And you just had guys out there that really didn't want to play. And you consistently bring back players that are injured every single year. I hate to say it because the linebacker position, it needs so much help, but so does the secondary. So it's kind of a toss up there. Yeah, I'm actually less concerned about the secondary than I am with the linebacker position because you look at the secondary. A lot of people are forgetting about Isaiah Rogers, the guy who was suspended all season for gambling. The Colts cut him. Good move by Howie Roseman picking him up with his eyes on the future. So I think Isaiah Rogers can certainly help out. You're going to have Zach McPherson coming back from injury. You're going to have another year of development for Keely Ringo and Eli Ricks. Safety, yes, that is a, a question mark. They do need to bring in a better safety, especially if Sidney Brown's not going to be ready. But for me, we need the linebacker. And even if they draft a linebacker, which I want them to do, I want them to draft a linebacker, I don't want to go into this season without a surefire linebacker that's going to make a difference. I don't want to hear, hey, we're going to give it to N'Kobe Dean and any rookie they draft because even if that rookie was great in college, there's no guarantee the game's going to translate to the NFL. I think they have to go out in free agency and bring in a linebacker that is a proven playmaker in this league. Now, whether or not he does that, Kayla, that's not really how he's MO, but hopefully Vic Fangio gets in his ear. Well, let me ask you because the theme for me today, for whatever reason, was heartbreak in Philadelphia. And I was reliving all these heartbreaks that I've had over the years. The 2022 Philadelphia Eagles, Super Bowl 57, is quickly becoming my biggest heartbreak. And I don't know if it's recency bias or not. It's just because we were so close and that one stung. For you, you're a little younger than me. In all the years you've been a Philadelphia sports fan, which one stands out the most as the biggest heartbreak for you? Oh, well, you know, I love my basketball, so I have to say the Kawhi quadruple bounce. I'm literally oh. getting chills and might just cry right now thinking about it because you look at that team and how they were constructed. They take on the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. They have the exact build to defeat the Bucks. I mean, you have Jimmy Butler, J.J. Reddick, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons all on one team in your starting lineup, and they had a little bit of depth that year as well. So, I mean, you look at that team, I think they were going all the way to the finals. Now, were they going to win? I don't really know. It was a banged-up team. KD got hurt. Clay Thompson got hurt for the Warriors. So it was a banged-up Warriors team that year that the Raptors were able to beat. And I think that they honestly would have gone all the way. So for me, because listen, I've at least been able to see a Super Bowl in my lifetime. I've seen a World Series in my lifetime. I've seen the Flyers get hot in my lifetime. I have never, ever, ever, ever seen the Sixers get past the second round in my lifetime. And I know everybody's going to say, oh, well, Allen Iverson, guys, I was one. I was actually barely one because it was in June and it was before my first birthday. <laughs> so I love looking back on it and saying, oh, well, yes, I love AI and I love the culture he brought. But I physically wasn't able to sit down and remember that push. I wasn't able to sit down and see the AI MVP season. So to me, the Sixers are the team that in my lifetime have not won really anything and have not gotten past the second round. I mean, I was hyped when Andre Iguodala beat the Bulls when Derrick Rose got banged up, but I was freaking out in sixth grade remembering that. And then you take them 
to the Kawhi quadruple bounce. And, you know, everybody's saying, well, you know, it's revenge for the double joint that the Eagles were able to move on. It was that whole conspiracy theory as well that season. So there's a lot of heartbreak. I would also say Ryan Howard um, in that series against the Cardinals because they were just so good that season. And I was a huge, huge baseball girl when I was younger. I mean, growing up, the Phillies were the best team. So you look at that and it says, oh, okay, Ryan Howard definitely was one of my favorite players, but I have to go the Kawhi quadruple balance. I mean, just thinking about it and every time I see people post on Twitter, best plays ever, and I see that, I just turn my phone over because it still makes me frustrated to this day. So that Allen Iverson 2001 team, I went to every single game, that playoff run, and it was tremendous. I was senior year of high school, so I'm a little older than you. Senior year of high school, me and my best friend went to every single game. And to me, it wasn't that much of a heartbreak. As much as it was frustrating that they didn't win the NBA championship, that L.A. Lakers team that they went up against was one of the most dominant teams I've ever seen when you have Kobe and Shaq and all the other pieces that they had. So, yeah, I've never seen a NBA championship either for the Philadelphia 76ers because I was born about a week after they won the title in 1983. So I've never seen a Sixers and I've never seen a Flyers. Thank God we got Super Bowl 52, not 57. That one hurt, but... Well, we will see. Well, guys, this is the Philly Sports Power Hour, and she is Kayla Santiago. She joins us every single Wednesday, does a phenomenal job breaking down the Sixers and the Eagles. And for the first time, we're always live, but for the first time, we're also live on TikTok together, which is pretty cool. So make sure you're following me on TikTok and make sure you're following Kayla Santiago because she does some fun videos on there as well. Kayla, always a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Look forward to next week. Hopefully some better news. Hopefully we get some movement for the Eagles in the NFL. Looking forward to, you know, watching the Super Bowl with the 49ers and the Chiefs. Not too happy about that, but that's besides the point. And, you know, hopefully good news for Joel B and the Philadelphia 76ers. Like I said, I wouldn't be upset, actually, if he's out for three weeks. I think that he needs to rest, and I think that the medical staff and the team needs to stop forcing him to play because that just doesn't do him any justice for the postseason. We'll see what happens. And you and I will talk next Wednesday, and I'll get your predictions for Super Bowl 58. So have a good week, Kayla. Thank you. You as well. Kayla Santiago joining the Power Hour like she does every Wednesday. Does a really good job. So make sure you check her out. Check her out on all her social media platforms as well. Uh, Does a great job. I think I told you guys last time she was on. She does some play-by-play for the Bluecoats, the Sixers-affiliated team. So she does a great job doing the basketball play-by-play so she's going places so be sure you could say i remember when i knew kayla santiago because she is certainly going places but guys i appreciate all of you like i said we are now simulcast not only on the jacob sports network but across all my social media platforms as well so make sure you're following both jacob sports and bill calarulo we'll be back here tomorrow live at 10 o'clock hopefully being joined like we are every thursday by my man, Mark Farzetta. Farzi's always a fun guest, although him and I haven't been seeing eye to eye as of late. Curious what he thinks about trading A.J. Brown, which you guys know I think is absolutely ridiculous. Would not do that. But like we end every Philly Sports Power Hour with a little Today in Sports History. Well, January 31st, 1914, Jersey Joe Wilcott was born professional boxer born in Merchantville, New Jersey. 
right over the bridge from Philadelphia. And we all know Jersey Joe was a boxer from 1930 to 1953, held multiple, multiple heavyweight titles, broke the record for the oldest man to win the title at age 37. That was eventually broke by George Foreman when he knocked out Michael Moore at 45 years old. But Jersey Joe Wilcott was born January 31st, 1914, right in Merchantville, New Jersey. But guys, appreciate all of you in the chat. I see some of you disagreeing with me, which is fine. Love the engagement. I think you guys are wrong who want to trade A.J. Brown. My man flexing and stepping, I think you're crazy for wanting to trade A.J. Brown. Now, I will give you a little bit of a teaser because we're going to talk about some of these free agent decisions. Now, this may be a hot take, but it's just the truth. Before they trade A.J. Brown, I'd actually say, have Jason Kelsey retire. Now, that may be a crazy thought. Jason Kelsey, one of the greatest centers to ever do it. I agree. But what you would have to pay Jason Kelsey to come back next year, I'd rather see them keep paying A.J. Brown, move Cam Jurgens over to center. Let's figure out the right guard position, maybe with Tyler Steen, and put that money into the defense, then have Kelsey come back for another year. I know, maybe crazy, but I'd rather see A.J. Brown on this offense than Kelsey, and I think Kelsey's retiring, so this could be a moot point anyway. But appreciate everybody. Hit that like button. Make sure you're following me right here on TikTok. Make sure you're following me on YouTube. We're also live on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you're following me those places as well. And we'll be back here tomorrow, 10 o'clock, for the Philly Sports Power Hour with guest Mark Farzetta. Have a great day, everybody. And as always, go Birds. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.